Happy New Year. I know we're already a week into the new year, but uh, still we're fairly fresh. Uh, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to worship with you once again. Since I was with you in October, there have been many things that have changed in your lives, uh, in your church family, your own families, in my family. Uh, life is a journey, and we are moving forward. Sometimes the path is smooth and it's a joy and exciting. And other times we hit bumps along the way or detours. But God is with us in every situation. For some of you who are watching football last Monday night, you witnessed something that was a tragic injury to DeMar Hamlin that caused some deep questioning about life itself. I was amazed that the broadcasters uh, were talking that this is more important than football, that we take care of life, that life is more than just football. Even the NFL seems to have come along and said, yes, life is more than football. Uh, Before that accident, I don't think they would have ever said that. Uh, And through the week, uh, DeMar Hamlin and the Bills received huge levels of support, even from those people who just the week before were cheering against them. Now there is support so that even uh, on many of the fields, the uh, number three on the 30 yard lines are going to have the Bills colors on them uh, to be in honor of DeMar Hamlin. Uh, That'll be today. Uh, Interesting that the mighty headquarters of the NFL had to approve that before it could happen. Uh, But at any rate, uh, just seeing that some things make huge changes in our lives. Change can be good, and especially at the beginning of each new year, we find ourselves longing for positive changes. And the Bible passage that we're going to look at today, we'll find a young man, a young leader uh, who is going, has great abilities, uh, great strengths, and yet he's about to face the biggest responsibility and challenge of his life, a responsibility that caused him to hesitate before moving forward. He had been second in command of the entire nation for many years. Uh, He uh, was helping the leader of the nation. He was being mentored by the leader of the nation. Uh, Ever observant, he would watch that leader carefully, learning whatever he could uh, that might help him in the days to come. Uh, There seemed to be no doubt that someday he would become the next leader of this nation. Now, in the modern-day fictional stories, which I read, and I like to read some things like the spy stories and things like that, uh, this type of character would have been looking for ways to speed up the change, some kind of coup d'etat that would take over and be able to thrust him into leadership. That actually did happen in another story in the Old Testament. When one of King David's sons, Absalom, swayed the hearts of the people and the key leaders away from their loyalty to David and soon declared himself to be king. 
And it was such a powerful coup that David and his armies quickly, when they heard of this, fled from Jerusalem for their lives, not wanting to be uh, overwhelmed right away. Now we know then there was battle and Absalom was killed and the kingdom restored to David. But there was that intrigue, that attempt, that temptation to push things ahead, to become the leader. But now back to our story of this young man who was second in command. With great respect for the leader who had been his mentor for many years, this young leader resisted any temptation to stage a coup. Instead, he delighted to follow the great leader of the people and help in any way that he could. He was content to lead from the second chair, not being the first, but being second and help in any way he could. He did so happily for almost 40 years. But then his hero, his boss, the first chair leader, died. The entire nation went into an extended period of mourning. Having witnessed firsthand the highs and the lows of leadership of a nation, this young man seemed hesitant to step into that vacant leadership role. After all, he could never be as great as the former leader. How would he ever lead such a great nation? You've been following along. There have been some hints of who this is. Uh, Pastor Scott sort of gave he gave you a hint of this early on in his introduction of me. Uh, who was this leader, this young guy? Joshua. A few brave souls were willing to say that. Uh, Joshua. Uh, so we look and think about Joshua. Though the scripture doesn't specifically tell us, I believe there is evidence that Joshua was a little bit hesitant to step into this role that he might have been overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Maybe you have heard that God will never give you more than you can handle. And so you had what you thought was all you could handle. And Lord, I can't take any more. And then the next shoe dropped. What are we going to do? And you felt it almost as if you couldn't make any decisions. You couldn't step forward. You felt almost paralyzed. I know in my own life, it's been in times when I've suffered the loss of a family member who's passed away. My mom, my dad, and thinking, I, I can't make a decision. I'm not sure what needs to happen. We feel overwhelmed, unsure what to do. For 30 days, the nation of Israel and Joshua mourned for Moses. During their days of grieving, they didn't make any new decisions. They didn't try to move on with the next step in their journey, but they stayed there on the east side of the Jordan, waiting, mourning. But then as the ending of that period of grieving uh, took place. Then the nation needed their new leader, Joshua, to step up. 
They needed him to step forward and lead them into the promised land. I want to invite you to turn in your scriptures to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first nine verses. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Beginning with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now I have this same verse uh, on a plaque written in Korean uh, so that as you see this on the screen this is a plaque that uh, I had on in my office for many years on the back uh, wall right behind my desk and I would see it as I would walk into my office and uh, I would have challenged you to to have you interpret this Korean uh, lettering but if you could see very well down at this bottom are the English words. This was a gift to me from a young couple in appreciation for me doing their wedding ceremony. And one of the uh, couple was Korean-American. Uh, so this has been a very special gift uh, that has meant a lot to me. This verse has meant a lot to me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times in this chapter, Joshua is exhorted to be strong and courageous. Twice, God says to him, be strong and courageous. And then later, the people say, only be strong and courageous. They are with him, uh, but be strong and courageous. They're encouraging him. Uh, Twice, God promises to be with Joshua, even as he was with Moses. Now, why would God say these things to Joshua unless perhaps Joshua was feeling overwhelmed and hesitant? 
It would only seem natural that Joshua might have been hesitant to follow in the footsteps of Moses. But Joshua understood something, as do we, that his success wasn't dependent on Joshua's own abilities. Rather, it was that uh, more there's more to leadership than physical abilities or, no, or knowledge. His success would be dependent on his relationship with the one who is the true leader, God Almighty. All of his success would come based on his relationship with God. Even in the midst of trials and difficulty, when we are feeling overwhelmed, when God is with us, we can even walk through the valley of the shadow of death, for God is with us. In these verses, we see God's promise, his presence, his provision, and his power. So we think of God's promise. In verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I have promised Moses. He's repeating a promise to Joshua that had been a promise that Moses had received that was reflective of the promise that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had received. The God who promised them and who was always faithful to his promise was saying, Joshua, I make this same promise to you. I have said it and you can take it to the bank. No, you may not be Moses, but still I am God. And it is I who promise you success. Joshua, God's promise to you is the same as the promise he made to Moses. And just as he kept his promise for Moses, he will keep it for you. This is the promise of the Almighty, whom no one can thwart. I will give you every place upon which you step. As an old chorus says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Trusting in the power and the word of God. Then in verse 8, he says, You will be prosperous and successful, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Yes, Joshua, you have skills. You are an able general. You are a leader of the people. But your success will be based on our relationship and on my character. And I have promised it. If it's based on my character, you know it's going to happen. Because my character is pure and sure and altogether holy. This is the promise. But in his promise, he also promises his presence. His presence. Verse 9 or verse 5. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And in verse 9, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The promise of God's presence was not only comforting to Joshua, But it was also powerful. It's sort of like the reassurance that a young child has when their parents are close by. They might be afraid of things, but if mom or dad takes hold of their hand, they're willing to take that next step forward. 
courage by presence. The power of presence. It's a wonderful promise to Joshua who understood that God is the one true and living God. So Joshua received this word and he was encouraged by it. And he recognized the power of the presence of God. But the people of the lands that they were going into in that land of promise, the people of the, of the lands did, <clears throat> didn't get it. They didn't understand this thing about the powerful presence of God because they believed that all gods were limited. They only had a small scope of place that they had rule over uh, that they wouldn't be able to, to, to fight. And one example of this in the Old Testament are uh, listed as the Syrians in 1 Kings chapter 20. Verse 23 says that the servants of the king of Syria said to him after they had been defeated by Israel, their gods are the gods of the hills, so they are stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. Then a few verses later, verse 28 says, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, Therefore, I will give this great multitude into your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. There is only one God. He is almighty. He is powerful and he has promised his presence. And his presence means the all powerful God is with us and we will be victorious. Joshua knew and we know too that there is no God like our God, the Almighty One, the Creator of all of the universe, all of the world. He is the sustainer of all life. No one is greater than He. Isaiah 44, the prophet says in verses 6 through 8, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. And in the next chapter of Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 5 through 7, the Lord says these words, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun from the west Uh, And the rising from the sun and from the west, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. One God, almighty, and he's promised his powerful presence. The promise of God's presence is still for us today. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 20. In Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
God's powerful presence is promised to those of us who trust in him. I have the privilege of driving a school bus. Some of you uh, may remember I told you some school bus stories uh, in October. But as I drive that school bus, which I love to do, and connect with the students, I silently pray for them each day uh, as they're on the bus or getting on the bus, and I'm praying for them. Many times I'm praying that God will give them favor, favor with other students, favor with their teachers. But in a sense, when I'm praying for favor, I'm also praying that God would go ahead of them into the situations that they are going to face during that day, that God will be with them, God's presence with them. God's powerful presence. Then we also see God's provision to Joshua. God's provision in verse 7. Be careful to do according to all the law my servant Moses commanded you. What law? It's the law that we know of as the Ten Commandments. And also all the things that uh, Moses had been given by God that then he shared with the people. Uh, that were recorded in the Word in the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, This, be careful to do all that I've given to you, this covenant relationship. Verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. The revealed law given by God to Moses and to the people. The law was indicative of the special relationship that God had with Israel. And as we have the word of God that has been given to us, and we have it in printed form, we have it on our phones, our tablets, we have opportunity to have the word of God. To some people, this is just a book. But to those who know Jesus, this is precious. This is the will of God. This is his word to us. This is showing us his love for us and his relationship that he has with us and we with him. That we can be people of the book, people of the Lord, people who love and are loved by God. The law, indicative of that special relationship when God said, you are my people. And I am your God. This is the provision of God's word. And he says, don't just keep this law close, you know, having it where you can reach out to it. But don't let it depart from your mouth. Keep it close. Meditate on it. Let it simmer in your thoughts and in your heart. Consider it. Consume it. Believe it. Live it. God says, Be careful to do according to all of the law. Now, sometimes we modern American Christians shy away from the parts of our faith that tell us what we must do or what we must not do. There have been people who have said, oh, that Christianity, all it is is a list of do's and don'ts. And we have to be careful not to be legalistic. We shouldn't be legalistic as if somehow our checking off a list is making us righteous or earning our relationship with God. Rather, uh, we are to take the word of God and remember that this precious word reveals God's heart, 
his character, his will, his plan. Uh, And it tells us things that are good, things that are not good. It gives us guidance and direction into a life that will be best for us and also pleasing to him. God's word, God's heart, God's principles, God's values all given to us. That we are to meditate on it and let it become a part of us. So Joshua, meditate on this word. Put it into practice in your life and in your leadership. Doing so will help you grow in your own relationship with God and also will help you to be successful. It's through God that you will be successful and through your relationship with him. This is true for us as well. As we enter this 2023, let us resolve to give ourselves more fully to the reading and the study and meditation on the word of God. There are lots of helpful books that are written uh, that give us some ideas of how we might live. But this is the standard. This is the book that God has given to us to bless us and to help us. Doing this, practicing the word of God in our daily lives will enable us to live a principled life, a godly life which will bless others around us and will guide us forward in this journey of life that God has placed us in. And then we see God's power. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Why would that be true? Because as verse 9 says, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, these verses speak of presence, but there's also in that talk of presence power. Power to to persevere even in hard times. Hard times standing against the enemies of Israel and hard times enduring the complaints and uh, distrust of the people of Israel, people who were part of the covenant family who would look for mistakes that Joshua made and would pounce on it and would criticize promise of God that his power would be with him that no one would be able to stand against him this also helped through in those situations giving them power to stand up even against those enemies whose sworn uh, purpose in life was to destroy Israel Joshua faced many of those enemies who were intent on destroying them so he's saying Joshua when all seems lost and you are frightened remember my powerful presence and your fear will melt away. When you are so overwhelmed that you uh, don't want to keep going, don't be discouraged for God is with you. This is the powerful presence, the powerful presence that the enemies feared. 
when the sound of the shofar horn would sound and the other enemies would hear this. What is going on? What's happening? The people of Israel would roar in their shouting as the Ark of the Covenant came into the camp. And the enemy would say, this is nothing but the God of Israel has come into the camp. And now we have to fight for our lives. They were frightened by the presence and the power of God. This is the powerful presence that brings courage to God's people when he says, be strong and courageous. This is the power that enables God's servants to go through dark valleys into dangerous places to spread the light of the gospel. There's an old gospel chorus that says, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Wherever I may be, tis heaven to me if he is there. I count it a privilege here, his cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. In times of great loss, we long for a fresh start. In times of failure, we crave a do-over, another chance. Just a silly example of this, when I was in third grade, the teacher would sometimes go out of the room and she'd leave one student in charge of writing names on the board of anybody who misbehaved or talked. We all wanted to be the one to write everybody else's name down. Occasionally I got that opportunity, but I remember one person in particular, a girl named Anne, who had little mercy. When Philip's name was on the board, along with others, and we'd say, give us another chance, another chance. Because all the rest of the people would give another chance, you know, erase the board and start again. I don't know why the teacher stayed out so long. But anyway, uh, as, as we would do this, Anne wouldn't erase the names. I've not named any of my children Anne. <laughs> uh. And I'm sorry if your name is Anne. I know, I know it's not going there. It's just this bitter taste. Uh, but thinking about wanting do-overs, that's the point. We wanted a do-over. In times of struggle, we need hope. We need another chance. And by God's grace, we can have a fresh start. Just as Joshua needed encouragement to move forward with courage, we too can have a fresh start and move forward with faith through God's promise, His presence, His provision, and His power. With the psalmist David, we can say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even when we are surrounded by what seems to be hopelessness, we have the promise of God's amazing grace. What about you this morning? What have you been experiencing in your life? Do you need encouragement, reassurance, hope? The word of the Lord is, do not be frightened, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In a moment, we're going to pray. 
And there are uh, elders and others of the church family who are in ministry who would love to pray with you. If you would like to seek the Lord for his help, his encouragement, his strength, to be able to hold on to his powerful presence and his provision, uh, to give yourself to him, we want to give you that opportunity. So we're going to stand together as we pray. And I'll pray, and then our team will come out and lead us in a song. And as they lead, if you would like to have someone pray with you, just come, step from where you are, and come, and we'll be very happy to pray with you. Let's bow in prayer. Our great and mighty God, you are amazing. And there is no one like you. There is no other God There are others who may lay claim, but they are imposters. There is only one God, and we worship you. Lord, we thank you that you are God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. We thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself for us on the cross. And we thank you that you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us, but you will be with us even to the end of the age. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence, and we ask that you would continue to do your work in our lives. And, Lord, for uh, those who are here today, uh, they are here not by accident or even necessarily by their own choice, but by the work of your Spirit in their hearts and lives. And, Lord, as you minister to them by your Spirit, uh, Lord, would you speak your powerful presence and the promise of that presence, your power, your purpose with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, Lord, uh, you know the hearts of each one who is here, the struggles that they may be going through, and we ask, Lord, for your powerful work even now as you reach out to them to say, come, Unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. O Lord, move in our hearts. Have your way, because you are Lord. We worship you and we praise you. In your wonderful name, amen.